Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Two proposed ballot questions got a tentative thumbs up from the Sitka Assembly last night, an excise tax on motor fuels and sales tax on retail marijuana. As KCAW's Catherine Rose reports, it's still undecided whether either tax question will be on October's ballot. The fuel excise tax would add three cents to every gallon of marine and motor fuel sold at the pump. It wouldn't apply to aircraft or heating fuel, and the revenue raised would go toward Sitka's roads and aging harbor infrastructure. Marijuana would be taxed at 5% on top of Sitka's existing sales tax. The additional revenue would go toward the Sitka School District's Student Activities Fund. During public comment, a couple of people voiced support for the fuel tax. Chris Yastad is the vice chair of the Port and Harbors Commission. He said after talking with fellow fishermen, most preferred the fuel tax over the planned exponential increase in harbor rates, which are set to rise 5 to 6 percent each year for the next decade to pay for the replacement of Eliasson Harbor. You know, when you first say, let's add another tax, it's obviously a little bit of a whoa. I asked my fellow fishermen and business owners to run the math, compare how many gallons that they would burn on a yearly basis, three cents per gallon, and compare that to what their harbor rates would be doing at a five to percent, five to six percent increase for the foreseeable future into the 2030s. And after I explained that, most people accepted that they would rather see this fuels tax. But former Assembly member Richard Wien questioned why the sponsors hadn't included a projected amount the fuel tax would bring in revenue for the city. Uh, I certainly would have liked to have heard what the approximate estimates were uh, to bring in, uh, what what that would bring in, which would give an idea uh, overall of how much fuel uh, Sitka uses. During assembly deliberation, member Kevin Mosher voiced concerns about both proposals, particularly the marijuana tax. And I don't feel, I feel like it's basically picking on one industry. The taxes that they already have is, is just tremendous. And I, I would have, yeah, I agree, a, a less, maybe even 2.5 or something, two even, just to, you know, get something. But 5% on top of all that they're already paying, I think is too much. Member Tor Christensen said he wasn't sure how he'd vote on either question, should they make it on the ballot in the municipal election this fall, but was okay with voting yes at the assembly table. Like I said, it... Almost any semi-reasonable proposal I'll, I'll put forward to the voters. And like I said, I, I am not sure how I would vote for this if and when that comes to that point. But I, have no, I don't have a problem letting it go to the voters. The Assembly unanimously approved the fuel excise ballot question on first reading. And it narrowly approved the marijuana tax proposal on a 3-2 to two vote with members Valerie Nelson and Kevin Mosher opposed. Both ballot questions will come to the assembly table for a second reading in July. If they receive a final green light from the assembly, the measures will be added to the ballot for voters' consideration in the October 5th municipal election. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Assembly is moving forward with plans to lease a large parcel of city-owned property to Sheatica Incorporated to develop a tourist destination about seven miles from downtown. Sheatica Incorporated was the only respondent to the city's request for proposals seeking bids on 17 acres near the end of Halipa Point Road. 
Sitka's Urban Native Corporation says it plans to partner with a new concession, Adventure Sitka, to develop a tourist attraction on the property. Shiatika's initial offer was $50,000 a year to lease the land and $4 per visitor in revenue sharing for the city when negotiations began in May. City Planning Director Amy Ainsley told the Assembly that both sides had to haggle up. The RFP proposed an annual lease rate of $50,000. We countered with $70,000. Shiatika and its partners countered at $60,000. So that's sort of our our last offer that we received was an annual lease rate of $60,000. When it's complete, Shiatika's development will include kayak and canoe tours, zip lines, and cultural demonstrations around gardening practices and traditional foods. Shiatica CEO Carl Potts said the project would help the city handle the influx of cruise ship passengers predicted for next summer. A year from now, we're hoping that we will have cumulatively about 400,000 or so people stepping off uh, the uh, boats and onto the shores of uh, Sitka. Uh, The year after that and the year after that, more and more. A rising tide is going to lift all boats uh, in Sitka. This is a good project, certainly for us financially, or we wouldn't be involved. It's good for the city. Uh, Economically, we think it's a fantastic opportunity for the city of Sitka and and the citizens of Sitka. When it came time for the Assembly to deliberate, most voiced support for the lease arrangement. Assembly member Rebecca Hemshoot explained her support. And from everything I'm hearing from planning and and people on the ground, it's not a property that could easily be used for housing. And if it could be used for housing, it would be extremely high-end housing. So for that reason, I would like to see something done with this land. So I'm a yes vote tonight. But Assemblymember Tor Christensen hesitated when he saw that the visitor fees would increase by 10% after 10 years. He said he wanted to see more regular rate adjustments figured into the lease. The one deal breaker for me is that lack of escalation on the uh, um, uh, on the passenger fee, the four dollars. I absolutely think that that is that could be a real deal breaker because we don't know what's going to happen with inflation. Ten percent may be reasonable; it may not be. A motion was made to direct city staff to develop a lease based on the terms outlined by the planning director. That passed 4-1 to one with member Tor Christensen the lone holdout. If Alaska state leaders can't resolve an impasse over the budget, large swaths of state government will shut down in July. And as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, that could include Alaska's lucrative summer salmon fisheries. Southeast Alaska's summer salmon troll fishery opens July 1st. That's the same day nearly 15,000 state workers could be out of work. Among those is Grant Hagerman, a state fisheries biologist managing the fishery from Sitka. Honestly, we are we're planning not to be here unless we hear differently um, on July 1. And with that, uh, that summer fishery does not commence. Many of Alaska's fisheries are operated by emergency order. That means fisheries open and closed based on real-time data and biologists like Hagerman's professional judgment. But he's not part of the special class that will keep public safety officials like the Alaska State Troopers on the job. You'd think that, you know, we would have had a message maybe from, you know, administration from whoever just saying that here are, you know, the exempt or partially exempt or, you know, whatever uh, job classes that could remain open. But we didn't get anything like that. I think it's just... 
pink slips across the board if they don't pass. So it's really scary, you know, not just for us losing our jobs, but I mean, we manage a fishery with a thousand permit holders in Southeast. So it, it affects a lot of people. So I, but I have faith that they'll get something agreed to. Even at the top of the ladder, agency leaders say they don't have many answers. Rick Green, a special assistant to the commissioner of the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, says this is the closest his agency has come to actually shutting down. We, as a state, are on uncharted ground because I think last time, the closest it ever got was it resolved like nine days before or eight days before. So we're closer than we've ever been before. Green says the department is operating with the hope that the budget discussion will be resolved before that deadline. It's a big question, but it's one that we're not addressing and we're hoping with best intent that this comes to a resolve and we don't have to change anything. This lack of clarity is stressful for everyone in the industry, says Amy Daughtery, executive director of the Alaska Trollers Association. Many of our guys head out of town in preparation for the July 1st opening a few days in advance, obviously. And we're coming right up on that um, within the next few days. So, um, you know, this is this is incredible that we're going to be so directly impacted um, by these huge decisions, which, you know, are way over our head. Ketchikan Representative Dan Ortez, an independent, says he and most of his legislative peers understand the gravity of the situation. Any kind of commercial fishing where it requires um, management, on-site management of uh, the department is in jeopardy. The main sticking point, he says, was a procedural vote in which four Republican House members refused to set the effective date of the budget to July 1st. It's part of a larger battle over the size of the permanent fund dividend checks for Alaskans. The economic impact of shutting down Alaska's lucrative commercial salmon season would be huge, especially in places like Bristol Bay, which peaks in July. Dan Lesh, a Juno-based fisheries consultant with McKinley Research, looked at the value of salmon landed over the past five years. He says that on average, about $316 million worth of salmon is typically taken in the month of July alone. Over 50%, 52% over the last five years of the value of our overall salmon harvest for the year was in the month of July, and that's valued to the fishermen. And even if state workers go back to work just a week or so late, the damage could be done. That's because most salmon species are heading towards rivers and streams. It's not possible for the fishing fleet to get a second chance for intercepting a lot of them. The potential $316 million loss in payments to fishermen doesn't include the possible impacts to seafood processors and other shoreside support for Alaska's commercial fleet. With additional reporting by KDLG's Izzy Ross in Dillingham and Coast Alaska's Jacob Bresnick in Juneau, I'm Sage Smiley in Wrangell. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.